Welcome to the Happiest Ever After podcast. I'm your host, Tatiana Robertson. And yes, you heard right, happy-ish. Because this podcast is not about chasing the fairy tale. Our purpose is not to find Prince Charming and live in a castle. Our purpose is to live our own true story. But how do we do that with the overwhelm of the daily grind? Here on Happyish, I talk to so many amazing people, and we aren't just here to inspire you. We are here to give you tangible takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love, a life where you have tools to improve your mental and physical health, a life where you are the center of the story. The fairy tale was never real, and that's the good news because that means that you can take the pen and write your own story. Now let's get started and see where this takes us. Welcome back. Today, I have with me Megan Elise, and I'm so excited to have her join today because I love learning new things and I love sharing the new things that I learn with everybody here. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what Megan does, and then you've got to stay and listen because it's really amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited to have her here. If you've ever looked around online and seen the term RTT, that stands for Rapid Transformational Therapist. And that is what Megan is. She is a rapid transformational therapist and manifestation guide. Manifesting and mental health separately and collectively are her expertise and speciality. Truly manifesting her dream life from relationships to business to money by doing the deep inner healing and subconscious work via RTT. And that's what it's all about. It's all about that deep healing subconscious work. And this is what she used to guide her clients on their own healing and manifesting journey through a unique approach of subconscious work, self-development, heart and energy work, and spiritual growth. And by combining all of these practices of science and spirituality, that's how she gets the results. And this is her vocation and calling in life to support souls in healing and processing anything from the past and subconscious that is blocking them from living and manifesting and experiencing their dream life. And I just absolutely adore her. And I'm so glad that you're here today, Megan. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to connect with you to connect to your listeners. It's such an energetic alignment. So thank you so much for having me and I adore you. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. I came to you and I was like, what is this RTT? It's popped up. And you know, when you keep seeing stuff and you see it and you see it, but then you don't like, I'm like, but I don't get it. I don't know what it is. And when you explain to me what RTT is, I was like, oh, I totally get it. I've been doing that for ages, but I didn't know that's what it was called. So can you explain to our listeners who, if they're like, like, okay, what is this rapid transformational (laughs) therapy? Like, like, tell us. Yeah, absolutely. So it was created by Marissa Peer. And if you've never heard of her, look her up. She has so many free YouTube videos where you can learn from her and the power of the mind and everything that you kind of think is like, oh, yeah, sure. Power of the mind. Like, yeah, manifesting. But she breaks it down so that it makes sense on a science level and a mind level. And then it's like easy things. And you're like, wow, this actually works. So 
she created this beautiful therapy and named it so appropriately. It doesn't really make sense when we put rapid and transformational in the realm of therapy, because I think we kind of have this old paradigm where it takes a while and like decades and a really long time. Like how is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I spent like three years in like intensive therapy with a psychologist. And hell, I am not ashamed to say I, I was looking for help. Mm -hmm. And some of the deepest work that I've done has actually happened quite quickly, because Mm -hmm. I was in the place where I wanted to make the shift. And I recognized and so when you were explaining RTT, I was like, okay, I see it. I see how it works. Yeah. And that's the difference um, with the the old paradigm. And I'm going to say old paradigm and new paradigm just to make it a little bit easier to kind of differentiate old ways of thinking and not that they're bad and not that they're wrong. It's just the the terms I'm going to use. And the way that RTT works is it's subconscious work. And we have those two different parts of our mind, conscious mind, subconscious mind. And before I understood RTT, I understood the subconscious mind. I was like, what is the subconscious? Like, is it an alien? Do we all have it? Like, it was just such new knowledge. And taking my schooling and training with Marissa Peer and understanding the different parts of our mind and the different consciousness states and from alpha brainwaves to theta brainwaves, what RTT actually is doing that allows you to access your subconscious mind. And we can do that through relaxation techniques. It's similar to what you would think is a meditation, but meditation is more alpha brainwave. This goes to the theta brainwave, which is deeper than alpha. And again, not right or wrong, just different. And we're accessing your subconscious where all your limiting beliefs, your past programming, your conditioning as a child were really established and cultivated. And we just think, oh, well, this is just how I am. And this is how I'll always be. And that's just incorrect. And neuroscience really proves and shows that with neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to change. And when we can get to the root of what you're dealing with. So I chose to focus on mental health, but you can focus on physical ailments as well. Psychosomatic, anything that's going on with the body, mind and body are interconnected, interwoven, right? So you can get to the root of what you're really trying to address here. Instead of just how I explain it to clients, it's like, a tree, you're a tree and the tree branches are all the symptoms and all the behaviors. So you can change and shift habits, behaviors, anxiety, depression, these mental health struggles that are like the branches of the tree. Well, what is fueling that? Underneath the tree is the root and that's the subconscious. That is where you have the limiting beliefs. You have the coping mechanisms and strategies, the survival mechanisms that again, established when you were younger and you're still experiencing as an adult. Well, those were important and necessary when you were younger, not the limiting beliefs that's, that's conditioned and you can uncondition, decondition that, but the survival mechanisms, if your needs were not met, you had to figure out how to get love, how to get praise, how to get validation. So here comes people pleasing. Here comes the anxiety that oh, I need to manage people's moods. Here comes, okay, I'm just going to stay in my house because I, if I go out and people see me and I say or do the wrong thing, then I feel like I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. So I might as well just stay at home. What does that show up as depression, right? So it's really getting to the roots of these symptoms. And it's the most gifted work I feel like I can do because it's, it's, it is rapid because in one session, we're getting to the root and 
working with your subconscious. And now that that root's cleared up, well, guess what? You have this big gaping hole that now we can create and establish new roots. So at the end of a two-hour session, I actually create your own personal hypnosis recording made just for your mind, just for your soul, just for your spirit, just for your body. And instead of listening to a generic one on YouTube or any of the other meditation platforms, which are get they're great, but they're not made for where you are exactly in this moment and where you desire to go. So I help close that gap for you because you tell me, well, I, I, I don't want to have this. I don't want to feel this, right? Okay, well, what do you want to feel? What do you want to experience? And you listen to that every single day because that's how your subconscious learns is through repetition. So you have your own recording. You listen to that every day and the results and the shifts are phenomenal. They're they're absolutely incredible. And it's the most rewarding thing to hear from clients when something that they've suffered from years, decades, something they thought they would have forever, it is dissipated, dissolved, cleared, and they have essentially their life back. Oh my gosh, there's just so much. There were so many points when I was like, I totally get that. I am very much a believer in evidence and science. Yes. And so I'll still say the woo-woo side but there's so much science behind it. For example, you were talking about neuroscience and how we mm-hmm. understand pathways. And when we think about mm-hmm. things that happened to us when we were young, the role that they can play in determining patterns that we establish. And when we first develop them, we are 100% dependent on our caregivers. Mm-hmm for food, for shelter, for safety, your needs, everything. Like we are, we are not, you know, when you see those animal videos and they show them like they're fully independent at 18 months and we are slow. Like we take a really long time and we are in that, that state of dependency for such an incredibly long period of time. And so much of that pattern development happens before we have memories. And for the longest time, For me, when I went to traditional therapy, I would be looking for, but I don't remember what happens. Or we create Mm -hmm. stories. You ever Mm -hmm. do that where you've seen a picture with your family for so many times that you kind of feel like you remember the event when it was taken, but you can't? But that's the thing is like so much of it isn't actually in our conscious realm. Because if it was, we might look at it more easily and go, why do I do that? or I get where that came from. And so being able to do that work, like you're saying, Mm. to get in at that subconscious level. Yeah. And to understand. Well, that's the thing when you're doing more of the old paradigm, um, talk therapy, as you were explaining, which has its place, which exactly does. They're all different tools. A hundred percent. And it's needed when people need to like vent and get things off their chest and like far, far beyond that as well. But when you're only working with your conscious mind, and this is science, and this is psychology, you only run off of your conscious mind 5%. 5%. What's the rest of 95%? It is your subconscious, right? So if you're not working with 
all parts of you. It's literally like going to the gym and being like, I'm only doing bicep curls, but why are my legs and my core not getting stronger? It's like, you're not working with all parts of you, right? And that is what I really love about RTT is it's the subconscious mind, but we get to do emotional work too. You have an emotional body, right? And limiting beliefs and significant events, it's emotionally still in your body. And you might not remember consciously, But when I ask your mind, go back to the root, the reason of where this all began, and we follow the emotions back, your body takes you back, your mind shows you memories and scenes and some things that come up in the sessions, clients are so surprised. They're like, what? That really affected me when I was in grade two and I was bullied for wearing that Halloween costume. Like that really, I would have had no clue that had such a big effect on me because now as an adult, they're like, whatever, I was in grade two. But to that grade two-year-old you, it was so traumatic, like big T, little T trauma, but so significant that it stored that in their body. And when we can really access that, that frozen essentially emotion and unlock it, it, it has no more meaning left. And then the emotion gets to process, which is a really lovely thing as well. And I think I did not actually explain how RTT actually does work because it is a combination of CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, where your beliefs in your behaviors, you can really see how, oh, yeah, if I don't believe that I'm worthy, I'm good enough, I'm capable of course, I have procrastination, lack of motivation, even depression, all these different beliefs that you subconsciously have about yourself. I mean, of course, people will be like, well, no, I don't believe that. Okay, consciously, you don't want mm-hmm. to believe that, but you're not accessing what your subconscious narratives actually are. And you can have subconscious beliefs about anything, yourself, relationships, people, money, business. How this the world why- works. Everything, how you want your reality works. Exactly. It's like tinted lenses on sunglasses where you put on one pair of sunglasses and it's like super like blue and then another pair you can barely see because it's so dark. And that's what it is. And going back to the example that you gave of the Halloween costume, Mm -hmm. the difference is that when we think of it in our conscious mind, we are seeing it with our adult intellect. Adult mind. Yeah. And our adult intellect says... That wouldn't bother me. Like, what's the big deal? And what do we do? We actually are negating the impact that it has on us. It's actually re-traumatizing ourselves because we're not giving value to the feelings that we felt at the time. But the body doesn't have that sort of thinking mechanism. The body still reacts in a visceral way to the sensation. And I heard this great quote, and I wish I knew who said this because I really would love to give credit. It wasn't me. And it was that we keep approaching our problems as if we're analytical beings who are sometimes emotional instead of as emotional beings who are sometimes analytical, which is more accurate. Absolutely. Yes. Well said, whoever said that. (laughs) Whoever said that. Maybe I'll start saying that I said that and then everybody will think I'm really smart, but they'll be like, no, that was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like when we think about it, like you said, a client will be like, why would that bother me? Like we, we minimize it because it doesn't seem like Mm. it's not as big a trauma as somebody else's trauma. And there's no like trauma wars here. Nobody wins like, oh, you got bigger trauma. 
it impacted you. Mm -hmm. It changed how you approach life at a subconscious level. And to be able to actually get back in there and to actually be like, oh, okay, that that Mm -hmm. did change how I approach things. And then I didn't want to put myself out there in the future. I didn't want to risk. Yeah, exactly. They can see it then. They can, because you go back to that feeling. So they felt the embarrassment, the sadness, the shame. And they're like, okay, like I, I can feel what I felt when I was in grade two. And we hear about inner child work. And this is now where we do the inner child work, where you can connect to this part of you. And actually, when I started learning more about energetics, this is soul retrieval, the fragmented parts of you coming back online. It's like, what did you turn off within you? Well, I turned off my confidence. I turned off showing up the way I wanted to show up because it's like, well, now I need to figure out how other people want to do. Like you really get to see the weight and the impact of that memory in that scene. But then you also, as the adult, you get to reparent the younger you and you get to tell them the truth and have that conversation with yourself because your mind doesn't know the difference between real or imaginary. So these imaginary conversations, when you are working in the theta brainwave state, are processing, are clearing, are healing. And it's it's just so powerful to see them have these conversations with the younger parts of themselves and allow them to come back into their heart because heart is just as powerful as the mind, right? It's created even before the brain is. It has its own neurons, right? So we work with the heart as well. And it's and super profound. I really love how you just described all of that, but I really also want to understand you've talked a couple times now about theta brain waves and alpha brain waves. And I have like I don't know much in this space. I've heard about how sometimes things are more receptive when you're drifting off to sleep. Yeah. Good science on that since I swear to God, it's like brain trickery stuff, CIA <laughs> 1960s. That's what it makes me think of. But so I'm like, so there's probably been a lot of research on that. But then when you're talking about theta and alpha brain waves and about mm-hmm. like levels of consciousness, yeah. can you explain that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll break it down super simply for you. I believe if you can't explain something simply, you don't really know it at all. So here's a simple explanation. <laughs> right now, you're in a beta brainwave state because we're very conscious, right? So there's beta, there is alpha, there is theta, there is delta that I'm just going to explain. And when you're alert, you're in beta. When you are more in the meditative state, more zen, you are in alpha. When you are waking up, you're coming out of delta so you're in theta. So that's super accurate right in the morning and right before you drift off to sleep, you are working with your subconscious mind. So this is a wonderful time to do any type of manifestation processes, any type of mindset inner work, because you don't have to deal with the critical factors of your conscious mind that would say, nope, not true. The rational, logical part of your mind, those parts are actually really, really low. So things just get to go in so much more like a sponge. And that is a powerful place and space to work with yourself. If you're not like, I don't want to work with a clinical hypnotherapist because you want to try it on your own type thing. So do it in those pockets, in those spaces. Can you induce an alpha brainwave state? Yeah. Meditate. Can you induce a theta brainwave state? Yeah. 
hypnosis, <laughs> yoga nidra, <laughs> NSDR is now the medical and scientific community likes to call hypnosis and yoga nidra because they don't really like the terms that are a little bit maybe more like judgment can be added on them. I mean, Hollywood just really took hypnosis and made it more entertainment versus what it actually was the first therapy actually created. And for some reason, Hollywood wanted to take it a, a different way and kind of scare people about it. And it's completely inaccurate. It is a natural state. You can be in a theta brainwave state watching TV. And this is why I never recommend anyone watch the news before going to bed, because what are you flooding your mind with? Fear, right? So we really want to understand our mind just as we understand our body and how are you going to nourish your body is the same as how you're going to nourish your mind. So really understanding the, the basics is going to be so supportive for you because I tell you what, when you shift your inner world, your outer world shifts. It, it just it's how it works from what you see oh, yeah. to what you attract your electromagnetic signal is completely different. And again, this is all science. RTT is all science. It's actually no woo woo. There's no spiritual woo woo in it. Marissa was very clear. She wanted to keep it very science so it can be recognized right in the 3D world, which I totally respect. I though I have to combine my knowledge with energy and more of the spiritual realm in the sessions and when I work with clients because I, I don't see how you can have one without the other. I think it needs to be a harmonious balance. And so that's how I definitely do add my own flair into sessions because that's really important to me to be in authentic integrity. And that's my authentic integrity is both. <laughs> and that's so important. Like it really is important to bring what you learn and create it in a way that resonates with you. And yeah. that's what people are going to expect that work with you as well. Now, getting back to the various brainwaves, I've always struggled with meditation. Struggled to the point that I wouldn't even do it because I would spiral. How do you do yin yoga? Oh, okay. So this is the thing. I started yoga about three years ago. It took me about a year to a year and a half to be able to go to a yin class. I would only do like the power yoga and the flow yoga, but I could not go to, I'd try to go to a yin class and I would be a disaster, like a train wreck. Cause you know, you do the long holds and as I'm doing the long holds, everything's starting to release and I'd be a sobby mess. And then I, <laughs> I would spiral and I was like, I, I just can't do this. So then I like practiced at home so that I could just see what, why am I struggling so much with this? And I, I actually did Gabby Bernstein's, I did her meditation challenge that she does every year. And that exposed me to different tools to use with meditation. And that was what brought me along so that I could get to a place where I could go to yin yoga. And I talked about it with some friends and they were like, that's crazy. Like how is yin so hard for you? But it really was. And I was just in a very distraught place at that time too. There was a lot and I struggled with calming well, the monkey mind. Exactly. Correct. If we're used to our mind always on the go, hypervigilance, like constant, people hate yin yoga. And it's like, you are the types of people that actually will benefit the most from it. And the only reason why I can teach yeah. that class in the depth the way that I can and guide 
souls through it is because I was just like you. I had chronic generalized anxiety. The thought of not being able to move or make constant to-do lists or write emails in my head or stress and worry about every little thing. It was just like, no, I'd rather stress and worry about every little thing than try and like just be here and be in a state of calm and ease. But that's not what we want to be doing. We want to be breaking those patterns and breaking those cycles. So when I do teach the yin practice, this is why I always guide with my voice of like bringing your mind back and observing. And like, I really add that in because I know how it felt for me when I literally could not turn my brain off, but how important it is to start to break that pattern of anxiety in the mind because anxiety is not just body. Actually, it really starts a lot in the mind, right? So I totally can understand where you were coming from and you should really commend yourself that you can do that now because you are tapping into more of a moving meditation. Meditation doesn't have to just be seated cross-legged. You can tap into those alpha and theta brainwave states actually in a yin yoga practice. It doesn't have to be looking one type of way. So find what works for you. I mean, to this day, I really don't even enjoy like meditations that aren't guided because I find my mind will wander and I prefer just a guidance of this is how to like to continue to breathe and like breath work also is a a gateway to get you into those more deeper brainwave states right it doesn't just have to be one way there's many ways some people dancing like gets them in those brainwave states some people going for a walk in nature it's not just like your body being still to get there like you can actually be like a theta brainwave state driving your car like have you ever drove your car home when you meant to go to the grocery store and it's like whoa how did I end up home like who was driving the car <laughs> yeah yeah you're subconscious yeah. driving yeah. the car so yeah does that does that support <laughs> it does so I am somebody who's always very much relied on my intellect and my problem solving abilities so I can problem solve my way out of anywhere and when I started doing yin and when I started slowly trying meditation, which really sort of all came about with dealing with the anxiety that hit me mm-hmm. full on when COVID hit, because all of those sorts of things happened at the same time, I would always be trying to like outthink myself. Like, and you can't outrun the brain. Like, it's just not even humanly possible. The big part for me is the breath. The breath, the yogic breath is what settles me. And so to be able to turn myself over away from my brain and turning myself over to my body to let my body have the experience, there's a shift there that happens. And that is a big part. I have a long way to go on my meditation journey, but that's where the shift happens. And how I knew that I had just sort of mentally made that, that turn was I realized I was snowboarding and I realized that I was using the same yogic breath snowboarding and that I was just getting into this and I was in a very relaxed, just enjoying cruising some powder. (laughs) And that was the, I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm actually going into that same space that I get into when I'm 
really involved in a yoga class where I'm not being yelled at by this brain that is telling me things that I a really don't want to hear and b would never let anyone else talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. That was a really powerful moment. Your light bulb breakthrough yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. It was. So meditation is one way for some people, whether that's that they do that as a practice of a meditation or if they do meditation as part of their yoga. Then beta is when we're in the heightened state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And alpha, where's alpha fall in all of that? Beta, alpha, theta, delta. So is alpha when you're sort of in cruise mode? No, cruise mode is more like theta. Theta is when you're working with and accessing your subconscious. Well, I guess cruise mode could mean something different to you, to me. But alpha is more relaxed. Like when you were snowboarding, he would have been in alpha, most likely. Oh, okay. Like theta, like it's an interesting state because it doesn't always feel like that groggy state when you first wake up and when you're drifting off to sleep. That is when you are in theta brainwave state naturally. But if you've ever done a hypnosis online or, you know, I can offer your listeners, you can put it in the show notes and I can give one so people can experience that if you've never experienced it. It's it's not like you're like floating on a cloud in a different dimension. Sometimes you might feel like you are, but sometimes you feel quite like aware, quite hyper aware. So it's going to be a different sensation in your body each time. Okay. I've never done any sort of hypnosis what? because I... Well, here's the thing. I was in many, many years ago, I was at the Calgary Stampede with a friend and they had like a hypnotist, which I know is the same thing, but clinical hypnotherapy. I, I get that. I get that. But here's what happened is that we were way at the back, you know, and we'd just been having a fun day at the Stampede and they had like somebody come up and then they hypnotized them on the stage and did all of this. But he had this thing at the Before he called anybody up, he said, you know, you have to be really aware because some people are much more receptive to any sort of hypnosis. And and he had this thing where everybody had to like put up their hands together. And then if you couldn't keep your hands apart, then it just meant that you were going to be a lot more receptive to it. So do something. And I can't even remember because this was so many years ago, what you were supposed to do so that you didn't open yourself up too much during this um, entertainment. And, um, and of course me, I couldn't keep my hands apart. Like I was like so crazy receptive and I was like, okay, that scares me. That scares me that I'm so open receptive that any form of him hypnosis, like that somebody could plant a seed in me or something like get me to think something differently that wasn't inside my life experience. And I just developed a fear right then. Yeah, no, that's completely incorrect. Nobody can make you believe anything that is not in alignment with you. If so, I'd be a kajillionaire because I would tell everybody to pay me a billion dollars. Like, (laughs) it is just not a real thing. That's actually a gift that you're so receptive. That is a gift because you get to manifest insane, insane things, money, business, love, anything, because you're so receptive that you can condition your mind that money flows to me freely, constantly from all streams, that my success is guaranteed and inevitable. So those beliefs will fuel you and drive you with your actions and what you do. That's incredible because I work with some clients and they are so not receptive that it takes so much longer to get them to where they want to go because they're not receptive to the things that they actually very want. So that is a gift that you have. That is incredible. I didn't know that it was a gift. 
I've done the big five personality and I'm openness there. But then all of this sort of stuff, when, as I understood mm -hmm. what manifestation was, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I do that all the time. Everybody who knows me well knows that I'm the luckiest person that they've ever met. I didn't always believe in manifesting, but my mom tried to teach me about it. And then when it started working by her telling me, believe and visualize and feel it and imagine, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really wanted this job I was underqualified for and like really some chances of getting it. And I did everything she said. I believed it. I heard them calling me and saying, we chose you. You got the job and me feeling so excited and so ecstatic. And when I really wanted something that cost $10,000 and I was in university and there was, I wasn't working. I was in university. I was really focused on my school. I just like, I was like, oh, I just really want this. I really want this like random call from an insurance company. Hey, can you settle this claim? We want to give you $10,000. I was like, what? So when it started to work in my life, I was like, hey, I believe in it. I didn't know what I was believing in, but I just believed in what I wanted. I could have it. And then when I took my RTT schooling, I was learning about the subconscious mind and our beliefs. And from a science level, I was like, this just explains manifesting. It explains your it totally belief, does. How powerful your beliefs are not only for how your actions and behaviors follow. Like what comes first, the behavior or the thought and the belief? It's the thought and the belief. So if you want to change what you're doing or don't doing, your habits, what have you, it starts with your your thoughts and your beliefs, right? And then since since I took my RTT in school and I take and have my own RTT sessions done on me for me. The amount of success, money, love, impact that I have manifested, attracted, connected to, aligned to, it's its night and day. My life has transformed on all layers, all levels. I actually look younger than I ever have <laughs> because I like say this affirmation every day. I'm youthful and timeless at every age and I am not aging. It is incredible. <laughs> like just everything, anything I talk to my body, it's it's so healthy. Like people that would be like, oh, that stuff doesn't work. It's like it doesn't work because you believe it doesn't work. So it doesn't work for you. Whereas if you start to change mm -hmm. how you believe and what you think is possible for you, like we are evident. This I could share stories and stories and stories of how my clients have manifested, but it all starts in your mind. And it's when you heal the parts of you that have been blocking, like we hear money blocks. And have you ever heard that? It's like, oh, what are your money blocks? It's like, well, the block is your your subconscious narrative about money. And that's actually energetically blocking you. You're subconsciously blocking yourself from receiving money because of the stories, the blueprint in your subconscious about money. If you believe that it's really hard to make money, guess what? Path of least resistance is for you to work really hard to make money because that is what you believe and that is how you will act and behave. So you will be an energetic match to jobs, to bosses. They're going to make you work really, really hard. And you'll be like, oh, money's just so hard to make. And then you're going to have friends who just say, oh, money's just so hard to make because the lens of money that you're wearing, the glasses that you're seeing, the way that you're acting in the world is based on that belief. Mic drop, re-listen to that because that should just break some money beliefs for you there. It's so true. It's so true. If you've ever been pregnant, you get pregnant and then it, you, everywhere you look, there's pregnant ladies or you name your baby something. And of course, there's like 57 other people that named their baby the exact same name. The thing is, our life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. We believe it 
And so we look for proof. And the thing is, if you believe, and that's the subconscious beliefs, right? Like that's why I was so fascinated when you were talking about RTT with me. I was like, oh my God, if you can heal those beliefs that are holding you back, like I'm not deserving of love. Like, I think that's a really, that's a really sad and powerfully sad one to believe, but I'm not worthy or I'm not worthy of love. If you go out into the world and that is a subconscious yeah. belief that you, that was adopted where maybe maybe you had parents who had their own work that they needed to do and oh, I'm yeah. sure it wasn't intentional but the thing is yeah. the message that you got mm-hmm. was I'm not worthy. And so to survive you have to demonstrate worthiness by doing all of these things, maybe becoming a caregiver, maybe making yourself indispensable, whatever it is. Then you go and you have relationships. Now you don't say to yourself, man, I am not worthy. You don't say that to yourself, but inside you will attract people into your life because if you're not feeling worthy, you're going to have those people in your life. And when they treat you as if you aren't worthy, there's a part of you inside that says, this is proof that I'm not worthy. Because if I was worthy, he wouldn't do that. But you don't recognize that you opened the door and invited this person into your life to validate your belief. We're always looking to prove that we're right. And to add on to that, which absolutely correct is the subconscious mind loves what is familiar yeah so when you were younger what is familiar is i'm i don't get love so that that's the relationship that feels safe and comfortable to you even though it's actually not what you want subconsciously it's like this is what i know so your mind not only wants to make you right and show you evidence but wants to be in what is familiar so this is what i teach a lot of people is when you see or experience something that you desire I'm making this my familiar. And just like put that thought out there. Just let yourself feel that if you're driving down like a neighborhood where you would just dream to live in, I'm making this my familiar. If you're in a relationship that feels healthy, I'm making this my familiar because you have to start to work with your subconscious that this gets to be your familiar now. So it's like, oh, okay, like we're going to we're going to let that one go then and we're going to make this our familiar. Good little hack. Yeah. And it's tough though having someone do something for me i'm if somebody tries to start like helping me i am it's so hard for me to keep my butt in the chair and is it hard or is it uncomfortable it's uncomfortable it's totally uncomfortable because i want to get up and help them because i'm undeserving or i'm not used to being in some type of relationship where someone else is the caregiver who will take care of me because that's not my comfort, but it's really important to let people do that and to become comfortable with a different way of being in relationships. And so I love with the RTT is that when you have to have some recognition that that's what's going on. Otherwise you just sit there going, I feel uncomfortable, but you can't make the connection because your conscious mind is not capable of getting to the or maybe it is maybe i just needed like another one or two or three more years of therapy but i don't know but you know it's really challenging for the conscious mind to get to the point of understanding why you're feeling uncomfortable unless you do that what is often called 
inner child work. You called it something else, something with the soul. What was that? Oh, um, soul, soul retrieval. Yeah. yeah. Like, so it's like very similar. They're very simple. They're very similar concepts. And I love that. Yeah. And that's what I, I really encourage people. Don't get put off by a term like, oh, I don't believe in that. Like, you know, if you're not open to things or if things come to you sort of as a challenge. I would like question though, someone like what, what, what's going on there? Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, true. Like, what, but, but what find is, what the words. Up within you? Yeah. And create your own words. That's the thing. It's yeah. like, some people are like manifesting and I'm like, do you even know what your, um, for lack of better terms, poo-pooing on? Because if you understood that manifesting is actually just intentional thoughts, beliefs, vibration which is your energy which what is energy emotions and energy what you're feeling on a regular basis mm -hmm. is what you attract and draw into your life and like hello your tatiana is on the luck vibration she believes it she knows it and she feels it yeah. that is manifesting my friends i embody it <laughs> it's it's you and that and that's what you vibrate and so what the you win is on that vibration and that is how you're an energetic match to all of it <laughs> and i'd say to anybody who's like i don't i feel like it feels a little flaky to talk about energy or something but everybody has that friend or something that when they walk into a room everybody knows sometimes it's negative sometimes it's positive we say things like the air just got sucked out of the room or it was like a light or a breath of fresh air. Like we use all these terms and they're actually just terms for describing your perception of an, of an energy around a person. Well, science is proving energy. So if anyone wants yeah. to be like, oh, it's woo woo, I'll be like, um, just do a quick little Google and you can see that science that's only been around for 200 years is finally starting to show and prove energy and, and the spiritual ancient wisdoms that have been around way longer that the Western world has wanted to disregard or negate as valuable or because they can't understand it. It's like, ah, uh, okay, well, you decide then where you want to lie with that. I think that sometimes some of the history of why science has taken a particular approach or perspective to proving things is because historically it was really dangerous for scientists saying things like, oh, actually the earth rotates around the sun. And that was ended up in his imprisonment. So scientists have also had the challenge of trying to work within the confines of the society that science was born out of that really narrowed the lens. But I also see now a generation of work that is emerging that is trying to capture and quantify and validate things that they have suspected for a long time to better understand the world. I think we're always going to have people who really have a strong desire to qualify and quantify numbers and data. And they're the people who can they're going to cure cancer. <laughs> They're going to do it. And I'm so thankful for them because we need every different type of being. But you can be a scientist who manifests. You could be the scientist who says, I am going to cure cancer. And maybe they're the one that finds some specific new element in a gene. And because they believe that they can, the likelihood of them being able to do it 
has just like 10 x so it comes back again to believe to believing exactly. it, it's all interconnected it it's all intersected i think what i was really trying to say though is when we limit ourselves to only believing or only being like well if science doesn't prove it yet i'm not going to tune into it tap into it, believe it and i'm going to push it down and say it's just like woo woo and flaky and airy fairy and i just don't i don't um like that close-mindedness conversations with people where i'm just like okay we can yeah. we can either just not talk about that or open your mind just like as you're saying with every everyone we all have our place in space but if we don't want to see that then i just i just i feel sad for people often people are close because when they tried to be open well, like you said earlier when they had those switches that in their safety as a child yeah. being open and receptive to new ideas that switch was turned off yeah yeah because maybe it wasn't safe for them yeah. to say something that was out of alignment with what their family's perspective on things were. Totally. And if you want to even get into like past life stuff where it's like you, you talked about, yeah, like the scientists who were very like imprisoned and they they couldn't even open it. It's like that could be coming forward too if people like are open to that. It's like, yeah, there's real, real fear, real emotions, real like, nope, we're not going there. And it's it's like it can stem from from anywhere. From anywhere. Do you have many people who come to you and they're sort of like on the fence, hesitant, or do most of the people that seek out your services and to come to you, are they mostly, I'm on board with this and I need help? You know, that's a really great question. And when I first started this venture and journey um, five years ago, I had to really explain it to people because like you with only being exposed to stage hypnosis it's like i i don't want to be controlled mind controlled like that the way it was used for entertainment in hollywood right so i really had to almost like prove and explain and really like make it a safe venture and experience for people and now i'm finding there's been a shift within the last 2 years where I don't have to explain this. Uh, people are like, I want RTT or they want clinical hypnotherapy and clinical hypnotherapy is a huge element of RTT. So people are coming to me because they're like, I know this is my subconscious. I know this is what I need to do. And they want the work. I don't have many people that come to me being like, uh, I don't really know. That's not like that anymore. So it's been really cool for me to see the shift in the types of people. And I think it just goes to show the shift of what the world is in. We're just very much more aware or the knowledge is out. Like I can't listen to a podcast and not hear them talk about the subconscious mind anymore, which is great. Like this is really becoming mainstream knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact when you were describing how you make these custom, are they voice memos so that people have a custom so meditation? It's a hypnosis. And oh, okay. yeah, it's a, a custom personal hypnosis it's about 20 minutes long. The first five minutes is spent getting you into that theta brainwave state. And then the last 15 minutes is working with the subconscious mind. So speaking in present tense, words that excite the imagination, visualizations, and really re 
training the subconscious, creating those new neural nets and new neural pathways. So if you subconsciously believed I'm not worthy of love, I'm not deserving of love, well, what does your mind and your heart need to hear over and over again is your essence is lovability. You were Mm -hmm. born lovable and you can like really create an experience for the mind, body, soul, spirit for the person I'm working with. I really connect to what they need based on what came through in the session that subconsciously they didn't understand was going on and we reverse it. And also they fill it in intake form. So I ask, like, what do you actually want to feel on a regular basis? Because you can train your emotional home. Your emotional home is anxiety, fear, and worry. We can train it to be of peace, love, and joy. Does that mean you're never going to feel stress ever again? No, it just means that's not your emotional home. That is not your yeah. default. Yeah. So that's Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I love that because I'm going to be honest, I've been like searching around and when I find it's not a hypnosis, but it's a meditation. But I like to listen to them as I'm drifting off to sleep. Yes, that's a good one. Really resonate with me. Oh, totally. When the message is just right, then I will bookmark them and I will go back and I can listen to the same one again and again and again. I'm like, I'm like a little, I'm like a three-year-old with blues clues. No, but honestly, that's the most powerful thing to do is listen to it over and over again. Neuroscience is showing 21 days is that sweet spot for new neural nets and pathways to be created. So if you listen to the same thing every day consecutively for 21 days, that gets locked in there. So if you hear something where it's like, ooh, it creates that visceral shift in your body or it's like that really resonates continue to listen to that literally till you're like oh I'm so bored of this (laughs) because that's where you're actually hitting in within the subconscious so that's wonderful (laughs) yeah that that's been my little hack but you know honestly I think I'm gonna have your contact information in the show notes yeah Add your is Instagram the best way? What's the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, Instagram's really great. And from there, I have Linktree where you have access to my website, my YouTube channel. I think my TikTok's on there. I used to really show up a lot on TikTok. And you can go through content. And if you want to connect even further with any one-on-one anything, that is all on Instagram. I love it. So I'll put your Instagram there. People can go to your link tree, connect with you, potentially, you know, book some time, get a custom hypnosis, which sounds amazing. So uh, I'm so thankful for you coming to join me. I can't believe how the time has just flown by. I appreciate you taking the time to join. Well, thank you. You asked really great questions and you have so many great insights too. like everything you said, like learn that in school, learn that in school. So yeah, you're definitely that was a really enjoyable conversation. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh, wonderful. And I will see you soon at yoga. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Megan Elise as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. I am completely new to rapid transformational therapy, but it's something that I want to spend more time getting to understand a bit better because I think we have to look at all different types of modalities in our own journey of exploration and healing and living life. Now I have a little request. 
It would just mean the world to me if you would take 10-15 seconds out of your day and pop over to the main show page for this podcast and click and give me a five-star rating. And if you have a few more moments to maybe leave me a review, it really helps the algorithm and it helps for this podcast to get out into the world to more people. And with that, thank you so much. And I hope that you have a beautiful day.